Marcus, I know you and I have had our fair share of, you know, travels with our performing sure. and uh, touring with the cruise ship and, and on land. Is there one uh, performance or, or venue that really sticks out in your mind that you, uh, you know, really enjoyed or it was, uh, you know, special in some way to you? You know what? I don't know if there's like a, a specific venue, but I can say that um, like probably like the most enjoyable like performance experience that I had was performing on the ship, um, especially like the, the intro to, to the guests coming on. There was always like that welcome show. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, At the top um, of the cruise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like the audience, uh, there's not a lot of people. There's probably like a thousand or, or so like uh like people in the audience but like the energy that they like came with and like how excited they were to like start yeah their they cruise, just started like, their vacation yeah and everyone's yeah. So, excited yeah. Yeah. yeah so like our band like opened it up and um i remember we we opened with like the theme from rocky oh yeah 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 <laughs> that was like uh was that, that like the brought the cruise director out that was like his yeah, song? yeah yeah well no no the uh the cruise director will always had their their separate track but okay, that was okay. That was what brought us out. Like we opened with that, and the curtains opened, and it was just the band. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and um, yeah, I remember I had a little saxophone solo in there, and that was like, uh, yeah, it, it was just a lot of energy. It was a lot of excitement. That's probably like the most memorable one for me. What about you? Um, I mean, I definitely have a couple couple of the shows I did, you know, while performing on the ships that uh, that stand out for me. Um. You know the two, the two that I was, or three actually that I've been a part of, uh, that were like new, brand new shows, uh, that I got to, you know, be there from day one, part of the original cast, you know, building the show, creating it. Uh, those, those ones definitely, you know, are, are near and dear to me, looking back. But uh, I think my favorite time I ever kind of performed. I mean, this was back when I was competing, uh, skating. Uh, I came back when after I'd been in Germany for you know six years. I got to do the uh, the world championships uh, in 2013 back in Canada, nice. Whereas, which is where I'm from, and uh, you know, I'd only seen my family really maybe like three, four times in those six years while I was away training and things. And uh, that was the first time I got to come back. You know, my whole family got to come see me skate. You know, obviously it was a big home crowd um, back in Canada, so that that one was very special to me. Nice. Well, yeah, performing, recording songwriting our next guest is like killing it in all of those avenues i think if you can stay committed to doing music something like music professionally you end up having to learn these other skills because you're independent our guest today is a singer songwriter multi-instrumentalist and producer and her latest album, Cognizance, is up for Grammy consideration. Let's give a warm Indie LA welcome to Brenda Carsey. Brenda, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for coming. So we kind of want to um, hear about where you started and how music was a big part of your life like uh, growing up. How'd you get started exactly? I feel like I just was always really drawn to at least singing, if nothing else. Um, I did singing forever and ever and ever, whether it be I was like a two-year-old and then more literally in choir when I was old enough to do that. And then I'm old enough that we still had uh, music programming in our public schools back then. So no, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there, there was choir, band and everything in every school I ever went to, elementary school, middle school, high school and all that. Um, and then when I was seven and a half or eight or something like that, my mom gave me her clarinet. 
And I started doing marching band and went ensemble and all that cute stuff and learned how to read sheet music from that. And then um, I ended up switching back to choir for eighth grade through all of college, basically for however long that is, nine years straight. Okay. And did tons of choir. Oh, so wow. it's just something I've always loved to do. Okay, yeah. cool. And um, you, you said like when you were introduced to band, like did you have a, um, a choice between band, choir, and orchestra? Um, I mean, at my school, at the elementary school I went to, if you were playing an instrument, you did everything. So I, oh, you, okay. I did win ensemble and marching band and all this stuff. It was like a tiny little farm town mm-hmm. at that point in time. So you just did all the things. There's nothing else to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> did, did you guys have to play the recorder in yeah, the U.S.? Was that yeah. a thing here? Yeah, the recorder. Yeah. It's a thing. I never had to Fourth do Fourth grade, no, yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. It was like mandatory instrument for us for oh, yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was a killer recorder That's player. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, because they have like general <laughs> music education. So for general yeah. ed, that was it. But I was in like actu- like some kind of an ensemble since I was eight. So okay. that was third grade. So maybe I didn't have to because of that. You surpassed it. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can remember like the selection process. Like they just had like a big room. They had a bunch of instruments, like right. the cellos, the wood, oh, right. the, the woodwind instruments. Like yeah. And they kind of just had you like gravitate and see like where you fit and um. Totally. I feel like the teachers kind of had like a like a plan though for you. Like they would like lean and oh like your fingers are kind of long. You should do this or um you know, uh you're you're this size kid. You should hold the trumpet or. So, totally. um, yeah, they were kind of like trying to plan it right. out, but I got lucky. I had a, um, a saxophone like from my aunt and, um, my mom really pushed for me to play saxophone first. Cause naturally mm. like you play like the clarinet cause it's lighter. Mm. And, um, yeah, she really pushed for me to like play the saxophone and I ended up playing sax. A few other kids heard that like, Oh, this kid's playing the saxophone. I want my kid to play. So we had like six or seven like nice. starting saxophonists in like the sixth grade That's at my cool. school. Yeah, yeah. It's um, like the same thing. My my mom played clarinet when she was little mm-hmm. and she so the clarinet ended up playing wasn't one of the like school plastic ones. I was very blessed that she still had hers in pretty good we had to get it, you know, buffed up and yeah, cleaned out. But up. it was it's a wood uh, an actual like wood instrument mahogany and has like uh silver like all the buttons and everything tarnished like they're real i think silver or metal or something i don't know if they're silver you guys don't know me <laughs> but they're it tarnishes whatever it is mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so what, it's really pretty what, what made yeah. you want to um switch over to choir then i loved singing so much i did choir first and then i did all the band stuff and then we gotcha. moved. The, the truth is, is that I was first chair in the town I was living on, with clarinet. And then we moved right in the middle of seventh grade. And the new place that we moved to, I was like, you know, not anybody anymore or talented so start, or cool. Starting over again. Yeah. Or as good mm-hmm. as anybody. And like, you can't come in hot being like first chair and all just all that, like the hidden political nature of <laughs> being in a band of or an orchestra grade, uh, of sure. seventh grade. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, I just didn't connect with the band the conductor at the time and so i switched back as a beautiful teenager okay. i just was like i want to feel loved and free and supported yeah yeah no it, it's interesting like as a kid like um you kind of like gravitate towards like the, the mentors that you like mm-hmm. like if you have a relationship with them like that's kind of like what you mm-hmm. what you go for no regrets yeah by the way yeah i also got braces shortly thereafter so clarinet wouldn't have been possible uh, i was a late in life braces person okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it wouldn't have worked out <laughs> I, I was too I was too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah did either of your parents sing as well 
Um, my birth father uh, was in choir. My mom was in choir. And my okay. mom, for like a very short period of time, went to college to become a music teacher mm. and then ended up being like, never mind, I don't want to do that. And became a radiologist instead. Okay. <laughs> but there's there's music on both sides and just in, in life, mm. you know, it's there. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Well, what kind of things were you listening to when you were growing up? Oh, gosh, probably nothing. It's like the radio. Yeah. I still to this day, I love the radio. I like putting on the radio and not knowing what it is or what's going to happen or what I'm going to listen to. Mm-hmm. Like when I go on road trips, I like sifting through the static to find the gold where you're like, yes, something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, when I was little, I mean, I really love like it probably started with hip hop and R&B and funk. I'm, I am from Southern California, so that's pretty much was the radio for like a long time yeah yeah um and then the rock thing i didn't really get into rock and roll that much except for like really mainstream stuff until maybe call like like late high school and then early college before that it was mostly yeah r&b pop hip-hop funk stuff like that disco whatever disco yeah Yeah. (laughs) cool do you have like any particular like artists like from those genres that you um like gravitate towards more no, and I, I know I annoy everyone with this question. I absolutely fucking hate can I cuss on this show? Sure. Sorry. Go for absolutely it. <laughs> fucking hate the favorites game. I'm an adult mm. person. I love everything. And that really is frustrating to some people, but I just I don't understand. Like I'm literally obsessed with everything and I love music so much. And I feel like if you listen to my music, you'll be like, that is very apparent because okay. there's a lot of influence in there. And there isn't anyone that's more important than anyone else to me. But I, I like forcibly make myself answer these questions for most people's shows but yeah. i'm like you guys feel oh, real we won't, we won't you feel force real it. We won't force i know it. <laughs> so i'm just like there's so many people there's like like hundreds of people i could list hundreds yeah yeah well i remember even being at your at your show at hotel cafe for the bmi um i forget the title of the it's like i don't being being acoustic acoustic something. acoustic session yeah. or something yeah but uh i mean you were playing piano as well and uh i felt like every song you played was like very different, you know, vastly different than the next. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. So um, tell us a little bit about your um, your experience with like performing. Was that something that you had to, like a skill that you had to learn? Mm-hmm. Like um, did, did you learn it early on? Did it kind of develop like as you like learn these other instruments? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's the nature nurture thing. I think that just razzle dazzling or whatever like then yeah i was born with that and there's far too many photos of me being that person who's like mommy look at me and let me perform and i'd write little skits and i'd write little songs i've been doing that forever so i think some of that is that but in regards to being a professional or not um not like being so obvious if you make a mistake and like just all those like acknowledge things of like no one knows that you made a mistake and like Mm -hmm. carrying on or like not caring and just laughing it off and being like loose and flexible on stage and like adapting with that that very dynamic environment I think is definitely just from experience and I definitely think the whole 10,000 hours thing is is true yeah I live by that absolutely Mm -hmm. I'm like you have to just do it uh all the time constantly and then you'll you'll be able to have like enough gathered information and knowledge at that point to and you know react to all the unknowns that happens in all these environments from people yeah. to like hollering to like electrical issues to like lighting stuff to like not being able to hear yourself to just everything you know mm-hmm. yeah well, we've yeah. definitely had some technical issues <laughs> oh, <laughs> setting yeah. up this week too Man. ourselves <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think so both then but i'm definitely think 
I mean, this we might as well talk about this. So something that I hated, because I wonder if this will help anyone who's, who identifies as an artist um, and not like just a musician. I identify as both. Like I am a musician's musician. Like I care about musicianship. I care about quality of playing. I care about tight playing and like, you know, active listening and like adjusting your volume, like to best suit the ensemble and all those things are really important to me. But um, I would say that something I resisted for almost my entire career was doing cover gigs. I was like, that's mm. selling out, man. I'm never doing wedding band stuff ever. It's lame. And uh, I started doing it in 2018, literally one gig. Um, shout out to Matt, Matthew Tucciarone, who got me this gig. And I was like, no, I don't do that. And he was like, you should do it. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. And I did it twice a month for two years up until the shutdown. And that was the only cover gig I had. And then after the shutdown, I, I'm a full-time musician now. That's mm. all I'm doing is doing that and i'm the quantity of improvement i've seen in myself as a musician and as like a pianist and as a vocalist and everything and just having more control i can absolutely attribute to doing that yeah 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 and that kind of selling out is not really that much of a sellout that i thought it was when i was younger you know what what changed in your mind do you think it was it just kind of an, an ego thing or or was it I think, no, because I, I come from, this is so, sorry, I'm, I'm about to catch myself. This is going to sound ridiculous. I come from the streets. <laughs> so, like, my come up in music in regards to, like, art, not not in regards to Scholastic or something like that, but just in regards to art has been very punk rock, very street, very DIY, very grassroots and all that. Um, so it just was part of the culture of the, the music environment and scene that I was a part of in regards to being different bands and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just... Wedding band stuff is like selling out because it's not art. Okay. Yep. It's performative, right? Mm -hmm. You're being hired to be what they want you to be, not to like be what you're bringing. You know what I mean? But I think it's it's different now. It's like it's acting, mm -hmm. right? It's acting like with music and it's then a whole package. and creating a vibe. You're like, I'm like the DJ and I'm playing all your favorite selects, but I I actually can physically play it with my body instead of playing it on a track, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm just like a good DJ. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's that, cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's something that because um, DJing is like a skill that I've like recently picked up and uh, specifically being like a wedding DJ, like you're not always going to play the music that you enjoy. And but there's like something to be learned from that, like um, what m a majority of people are like, um, like, like leaning towards like when it comes to like dancing or like being in like a group setting, like what people are singing along to. I think it kind of helps like my musical ear and like when I want to like create things, um, like if I want to do like a song that everybody would dance to and like sing to on a dance floor, like I've heard enough of those. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it just kind of like helps, I think, um, like overall, like with my ear and like um, for anything, for DJing, for like songwriting, mm -hmm. like producing. So, yeah, I guess like going going back to like the, the cover songs, it kind of reminded me um, when I was in school, we would have to play along like to other saxophonists, just note for note, mm. like expression for expression. And that helped us um, develop our own sound like mimicking these other players and mm. so like i wonder if you had like a similar um like experience like doing the cover songs like did you ever try to perform a song the way that the original singer sang it or do you kind of always like put your own thing on it i'm really lucky in that i get to put my own thing on it um most of the gigs i play people entrust me to do whatever 
I just show up. I, I, and I was going to say too, I think so part, another one of my jobs is I'm a professional event curator. Um, you could say producer, curator, whatever. Um, so, uh, I wonder if that plays into it just as a skill that I, I just observe what's happening and what vibes are happening. And then like on the fly, just pick songs or like, you know what I mean? Try to try to ride the vibes that are happening. Mm -hmm. Um, so I haven't had to, well, there's been a couple like more like, um, like, licensing you stuff or like hired stuff where i'll like exactly do something um but normally for those cover gigs no i'm just flying okay yeah experimenting yeah changing keys sometimes like th- that's where i'm at right now like certain songs i've been playing a lot and now i'm just changing the keys like on the fly on myself not even practicing it just going like boop boop like i mean i play keyboard easy transpose is easier <laughs> but just yeah. to like give my brain like you know an exercise or my voice just like on the fly to make those transpositions in the moment it's fun yeah well go ahead. you said you do a lot of uh event curating yeah so going back to that what what do you look for when you're putting together a show are you mostly trying to work with people you've worked with before and that you enjoy playing with or do you have like a set um style or vibe you're trying to create when you put together a show? no it's i mean yes and no definitely people who i've met in real life mm-hmm. for the most part there's probably maybe 10 percent of the people I work with are people who solicit me um, because I'm not trying to be big. I'm not trying to be like a big event curator or like become, you know, EDC or FYF or like, like Coachella. I'm not trying to grow my brand and become some big thing. I like just doing the local advocacy and like offering space and uplift for local artists and musicians. Cause that's my shit. It's my most favorite thing. So normally it's like, I have to know you and specifically I've seen you play. Cause like, you could send me a million videos and I'm like, but how are you live? Yeah. Mm. How are you like in real life? Cause I'm a real life human being and I care about that more than the social sphere. So yeah. So if I seen you and I like you and you're a good person, and you make good music and you got a good voice and all that stuff, then there's like a hundred of them or more, you know what I mean? In the city, there's hundreds of them. So it's amazing. One of the reasons I love living here and then, um, genre wise. Yeah. Just creating like a little, like a nice little, little arc little energy arc throughout the event yeah right Mm -hmm. so we all leave like feeling real good by the end talk about um your album and uh what that story tells and kind of your process for writing songs 
Do you have a? Can you narrow that? Down? Loaded, <laughs> loaded. I, I was like, uh, let's let, let's let's my talk brain about, fried out. For a second. <laughs> let's talk about the uh, the songwriting process. Like, do you have a ritual? I do not have a ritual. I'm a very uh, don't push it, don't rush it, don't force it writer. Hmm. Um, so when it happens, it happens, and I just let it ride. Sure. Okay. Yeah. How, how long was the writing process then for this? For um, this for you? I never met. I never write like albums where I'm like. I'm writing an album. Mm. I just write songs and it's a chapter of life and you look back on it and you're like, holy crap, I clearly was in a phase because mm. these are all related. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just alive. And I think as a songwriter, you're just really processing and reflecting reality as you know it or as you observe it um, or through stories you hear from people you care about and otherwise. Um, but yeah, I started, I think the oldest song on the album I wrote in 2018. Okay. And then the original, just so that people are like, whoa, that's like a thousand years ago. So when I started writing newer songs, like we were performing an album that I had released in 2017, right? So you just start writing while you're still performing something you just released. That's the most silly thing about being a recording performing artist. It never stops. Because <laughs> you're like, I just released this thing, but you're like, but you have to write the next thing, right? So I was writing while we were pushing and performing an album that was new at that period of time. And then by the end of... 2019 I had like pretty much the entire album except for maybe one song like the whole album so I wrote it all in over two years I guess the the there was there was 18 songs and we picked 13 for the record so out of those 18 yeah and then we sorry my brain is like bing 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 trying to okay. sort through all the questions <laughs> but uh and then at the end of 2019 I was ready to go in to record the album at that point like our original slated time was the top of 2020, mm -hmm. which you were there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was like two years of writing and then I was going to go and do the next album and then like release it. You know what I mean? So everything got pushed back two years. Yeah. yeah. What did, what did so you do? So it feels like that, a long time dur ago. During now. that shutdown, did you do a lot to continue with I, your music or were you just kind of on hold? I ended up doing, um, I hosted for 36 weeks straight an online once a week show called Circle Up. Nice. Um, which was a songwriter round, kind of like Brady Bunch squares, oh, <laughs> you know? Cool. And then whoever was performing would like take up the whole square and then we'd go back to the four square, et cetera. Um, so we would just kind of go around and do a little song thing, like how you how you met me. Yep. We were doing a little songwriter yep, round. Yep. Um, so I did that for almost almost a year. And then uh, and then I recorded the album when we were allowed to in 20, top of 2021. I guess spring 2021, not the top. But uh, so that and then just like a lot of hiking. A lot of hikes. Okay. A lot of like drawing, a lot of crying, a lot of writing poetry, not songs. I was too mad. I was way too mad to <laughs> oh. like actually write a song. I was just like, it was just like more jibber jabbery, a lot, a lot more words. I think songs, the most beautiful things about songs is it's either prose or poetry, but it's, it's even more condensed, you know? So you, you pack so much meaning in it. I think that's why it, it influences us so much as it does music mm -hmm. in general and songwriting specifically because has so much meaning in like a very short you know amount of time yeah a few words okay i hope that did i did we tangent no Wait, i don't even remember i did, where I we did take us a little bit on the tangent <laughs> i'm not gonna lie we can you're right on it we can we can get back to marcus's question yeah. like where 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 where, where are we Is well we were mean? talking about um <laughs> cognizance yeah yeah the concept for that. okay so okay there you go marcus you guys he's saving lives right now <laughs> um so yeah, so 2018, 2019, we were writing. And at that point in time, I think the album before that was called Solitary Refinement. And it was aptly named because it was very personal. Um, 
at least my my opinion of it. It's not that everyone can't relate to it, right? But the songs I wrote from a very like first person perspective about all the stuff I was going through as a person and an artist. And then Cognizance, I just had grown so much over the course of, you know, those four years or however, however much it was between writing that album to writing the next album that everything became more externalized. Mm. I guess, the, you know, aging probably does that too. Sure. You're like that, less... That wisdom. Yeah, like you're mm. less... I mean, maybe not for everybody. For for me, I just like participating in the world more began to matter to me more, participating in community more and like bearing witness to other people's experiences and not being so um, self-focused. I mean, it's focused mm -hmm. on self, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Became just part of what mattered to me more. And I think it just showed in the writing. So a lot of cognizance and why I named it that, it was just like an awareness of of everything going on around me, right? Or like a conscious reflection, a willingness to like grow, like a willingness to to have awareness and like be honest and conversational about all these things. So yeah, more of an external album. Okay, mm. awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a little bit part of what this project was for us as well. You know, we're, we're both kind of focused on our past, me more in film, Marcus in, you know, his audio journey and DJing and things. But uh, we wanted to do something together that was also mm -hmm. kind of, you know, incorporating a little bit of community in Los Angeles and, you know, being a part of everyone else's stories and, and journeys. And that's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. real cute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about um, touring. Okay. That's something that you've, yeah. uh, you've experienced. And we just want to hear about like what that was like for you. It's been fun. I'm so bummed. I really wanted to tour this year. I wanted to do a national tour for Cognizance, but it just fiscally, it just was not possible for me. Oh, okay. And also, not just, I mean, financially is probably the biggest reason, let's just be real. But also, like, emotionally, like, with me being a full-time musician now, it's just, like, I'm booking all my other you're work busy. gigs. You're busy. Yeah, it's just by the time you get down to it, you're like, I, I know how much goes into booking, independently booking a tour, and I was like, I can't do it. I'm too fucking tired. So it didn't end up happening this year. But yeah, I've been very blessed to go on me like as like a band. I've only done two tours for myself, but I've gone on tour with um, two other bands, maybe like seven times or eight times total, mostly up and down, like going from here to Seattle and back a bunch. Um, the one that I did by myself, like all the way up to Seattle and then like Idaho and Nevada. And you just imagine that whole big big of a loop then like I've done like Nashville and like New York or I'll just like kind of fly and hire people when I get there because mm. again it's cheaper and there's talented people everywhere yeah you could support everybody okay and then um I was really blessed uh in 2016 to go to Germany with a band that I used to be in called Feral Kizzy um and we we just toured there for two weeks which was awesome where did you go in Germany I used to so many places oh really okay mm. I we played in Berlin yeah there's, I'm not gonna be able to pronounce all the places we went to, no, but, we, <laughs> but we did go to Heidelberg. Okay. We did go to Hamburg. We went to Berlin. We went to, pardon my pronunciation, anybody out there, but we went to like uh, Carl, Carl's Roof, I'm gonna say like a white girl. And then we went to some places that I legit will never be able to pronounce for you. Cool. Like very, <laughs> very long. Um, and then I've been to like, like Tijuana and like, you know, yeah, it's a good awesome. time. I'm not sure what what you wanted to know. That was just me no. listing off stuff that no, I yeah. Well, yeah. I had no information that was helpful at all. <laughs> no, all good. Um, yeah, I kind of like that question was going to lead into um, touring versus playing locally. Mm. So, um, you know, which one of those would you rather like prefer or like what's some like mm. good things about one, something that you don't like about the other? I think 
if I'm going to be bold, so bold as to say that I think any um, artist who wants to be a performing artist and recording artist would love to just be on tour. If they're not people who are writing for sync, like I think they like saying local for sure. Even if they make it an artist project that's successful in sync, like a lot of them are like, I never want to leave ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm if someone else could help and we're at a booking agent and, you know, the funds to help assist that success, I would absolutely be gone at least six yeah. months of the of the year mm-hmm. without even thinking about it. Let's go. I love adventure. I love traveling. I love change and unknowns and all of it. Free spirit. Yeah. I would love to do that all the time. But both, mm-hmm. you know, both great. But it's way more fun doing like a home show when you leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you come back and you're like, I'm back and everyone's like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of I never left. <laughs> yeah, I never left. I'm just here all the time. Yeah. I think in if you're in some place like LA, my experience um, but this is coming from the perspective of being a solo artist and a songwriter. I imagine it's different as a band band is that you kind of do more because if you want to like keep playing and keep your chops up, you don't want to not play, but you end up doing more like acoustic things or songwriter things like where I met you or little mm-hmm. songwriter rounds or showcases or open mics or things that are just a little smaller so that when you do have a an actual big show or a full band show or a moment, that's something to celebrate like an album release or whatever that you can rally the troops to like show up for that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the city is beautifully saturated with a lot of beautiful events and nightlife and music and stuff. So you don't want to over ask sure. all the time. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> do you do you like uh, that bigger setting more than like the intimate acoustic style? Ooh, I like. I primarily do the acoustic thing. Um, I like both. Um, what I like about the acoustic thing is just the freedom to change my own music even in the moment so if i like feel like playing way slower Mm -hmm. or pausing randomly or like doing an extra little like yeah no like a little like a little thing there's just a lot of freedom with that and also there's more minute expressiveness you can do with your voice because it's quiet you can hear everything but i love playing with a band oh I love being loud. I love being powerful. And I like having my music fully and actually realized. When I write it, I hear a band. And mm. even when I play it alone, I hear the band. Okay. You know, even if no one else does. Yeah. So it is the band. <laughs> if okay. I if I could afford it. You go 12, 12 piece band every time. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, uh, jumping back to your album then, uh, are you performing with the band or is it mostly you doing the instrumental? Yeah, no, it's um the parts that I played were just the songwriting components that I play in real life. So I, it's all the vocals, um, the leads on the harmonies, piano and guitar. And then like one of the songs, there's Hammond organ that I'm playing. Any, but it's like key related, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Rhodes, any, anything that's keys related is me and the acoustic guitar is me. But everything else, no, absolutely not. Leave it to the professionals. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's just like. They, I'm really, really, really lucky and blessed. And I know it's because of the shutdown that I got all of my first choice people to play on this album. And had it been business as usual, everyone would have absolutely been gone on tour. So mm-hmm. I am so grateful that I have relationships with them as friends. So it's not that they wouldn't have been down. I just, they would have been gone mm-hmm. for sure. So it's just that the, the lineup of musicians on this album is insane. It's insane. They're, I think they're the best people in the city. I really do. So if if even if you're like, I hate Brenda, like listen to it for <laughs> for them because it's everything's so good. So, yeah, that time in the pandemic played to your interest. Like, I mm. think so. Yeah, it was rough. It was really rough, but a blessing, I guess, just to be present. And also 
it was the first time in my entire career that I got to do what I'll call like a Beatles-esque rock and roll thing where I just had an entire studio for 10 days. Like I didn't do like the Weekend Warrior tracking where I was like busy all week and then we would record whenever we all had time and like, which which a lot of us do and I've done before. Mm -hmm. This is the first time in my whole life out of every album, we recorded the whole album in 10 days. Like every single thing. And I didn't have to like pack up gear. We could just like, it was just ours. Mm. It was great. It was yeah. so fun. Way what less, a blessing. Way less stressful. Just fun too, fun. Yeah. to like just be completely present in the process, I suppose, of making, you know? Well, um, writing for Sync and being a, a studio recording artist and being a singer-songwriter, um, performing live, these are all like, like a, a lot of hats, a lot of hats to wear, for <laughs> so sure. Many, so many hats. And um, there's a lot of people who just do like one of these things. I guess I want to hear about, uh, did you always see yourself like collecting all of these or how did you um, start picking up these skills like as your career developed? Survival, like, that's it. Out of necessity? It's out, totally out of necessity in the, the climate of the modern era and also living in a metropolitan and also choosing to participate in an industry that's very... Uh, tumultuous and ever-changing and political and a, a whole slew of things i think if you can i'm about to like make myself sound real old i'm not like that old you guys but i am old um i think if you can stay committed to this to doing music something like music professionally for a long time um and not get like picked up right or like get a deal or sign or like all these things that you like dream of or hope of or are told that you're supposed to have you end up having to learn these other skills because you're independent yeah. right you have to assist yourself you're um, and talking about hats dude i'm like all of my photography i do all the costuming i do um, i own mua hair like the design like the lighting the concept like everything like music videos i edit all of my own music and live videos i don't pay for editing so that's another weird thing i like i'm actually really good at it if you need help I don't, incredible. Like, I have a weird brain apparently for <laughs> editing video. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's just like from doing it so long, I think it's just really that it's just not giving up doing it and being like, well, no one else is going to do it for me. So I have to figure this out because I want to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You have to create your brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But even not even like you're right. Yes. Yes. And fuck that word. All right. All right. <laughs> fuck that word brand. Talk about it. <laughs> It's just, Tell us how you really feel. It's like, for example, like like a music video, right? So I grew up in a very music video generation. I don't think they mean as much to people now, even though mm -hmm. they're fun and like it's still awesome to see people's like visual um, creations, right? Mm -hmm. But we, I think we, I'm like saying we, like do, do music they, videos. Do they were even supreme. do like the top ten like weekly no. videos or anything like that? I don't anymore? know. Actually, I don't know. I don't think so. Like Maybe in, someone in Canada does. It was like much music, much more music. I'm out of it. Or man. like MTV. I imagine you know, that there's some like YouTube channel that does it now or something, right? We'd, we'd there's like gotta come, be. We'd like come home after school, yeah. and, like, turn it on, and it's like yeah. that half hour over there. That's so, all that it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so point. So an example would be like, well, I want to make a music video because it's something that I f you're supposed to have that, right? But I'm like, I don't have like a half a million dollars to go into music video like Busta Rhymes and Janet Jackson did. Mm -hmm. I have like two thousand dollars, so let's go. So we're like, okay, so let's design our own costume. Let's like like get that hook up with from the friends let's like learn how to do editing let's like do it like you just learn all this stuff it's not even because of brand it's just because you're compelled to do it mm -hmm. it's like the calling and the com the compulsion and the desire to do something without having access to funds or privilege or, or people or whatever to like help you do it and 
for me, I'm like, I'm not waiting around for people to help me. Like, let's just go. Right. You know, I think when you have that passion and desire too, you know, you don't need a huge budget to create something that's, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's true. So. It'd be cool though. <laughs> It'd be cool. It'd be cool. <laughs> It'd be cool though. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about um, what you're working on right now. I am working on praying that this album, which is Cognizance, by the way. If, did we say that? We did, right? A little bit. Um, I'm working on Cognizance getting a Grammy. I'm like, I'm, I'm not. So my album uh, just came out in 2023 this year and like i'm traditional i'm like i'm pushing this album for two years i'm not trying to like waste all the money that i just spent on this thing you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so it's just pushing it pushing it playing it talking about it promoting it and then this is my very first um just thing that i have submitted for you know consideration at a at that level of professionalism if we want to call it that um so i don't know i'm just like maybe maybe it's possible and if it is possible, then like obviously that would lead to a slew of unforeseen path, you know, forks. Sure, so sure. it's just staying open at yeah. the moment. Yeah. But if we, if what you're asking me is do I have like more songs? I do. Okay. The next album's already completely written. Is it? Awesome. No one will ever hear it though. You can't hear it yet. You gotta listen to Cognizance for All at right. least <laughs> till next May, at least. And um, I just want to go back a little bit. Uh, the the twelve piece band. What instrumentation did you have in your band? Your ideal. Uh, so I mean, it would probably depend on the album, but for this specific album and phase, it was drum, bass, obby, and then electric guitar, um, a string, a small string section. I normally just do two violoncello, and then I had a horn section that was trumpet, trombone, and sax, and then two backing vocalists, like a soprano and an alto, and then me on piano or guitar depending on the song i just had to make sure saxophone was in the mix it was in the mix <laughs> it right. was you in were the looking mix. for your spot yeah. <laughs> that's awesome and your album um cognizance how are you uh releasing it is it just going to be on like the music platforms like spotify apple music yeah it's on every single thing ever every website ever and then um i made cds because i had to it just is a thing they exist in case anybody wants them yeah and then the thing that i'm the most excited about is this is the very first album that i ever pressed a vinyl um it's just something that i wanted to do my entire life i love like 60s 70s like retro music and we my boyfriend and i we have like a small record collection and stuff mm-hmm. ourselves um so it's just something i always wanted to do and i was like this is the album for sure um so it's a double lp it's mega and then the like the side D has a 14 minute in studio jam with like all these session players I was talking about on one of my songs, like a very long jam of one of my songs that isn't ever going to be released anywhere. It's only on the vinyl. Oh, that's awesome. Just to give people a treat. I want to invest. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And you were involved in creating like the cover art and all those things. As oh, well. yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. But shout out some Morgan Demeters who took all the photos for the Cognizance record. Um, the concepts are I mean, him like lighting, obviously, like all the things, but the color I was, I knew it had to be purple. I was like, this is a purple album. Um, that fabric I bought, like the posture, the makeup, I had that exact vision in my head for three years. Okay. So obnoxious. Awesome. So it was great to bring it to life. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And, and where can people go to buy the album or the vinyl? Um, I would say Bandcamp is probably every indie artist's uh, prayer and wish that you go there first. Um, you can get my vinyl you can get the cd you can get uh, a lyric and photography book like t-shirts like my entire discography of like past albums you can get digital albums like all that stuff is there 
Um, so I would say they're first and foremost. Um, if you're like, I don't even want them to get 8% of your money, dude. I'll just like Venmo you that I'm totally down with that too. For some <laughs> people, like people trip out about that, mm. which I don't get. Like they need like the the authority of some third party website to, to make give them, them feel secure. <laughs> yeah, to give them security and confidence in like their purchase. But I'm like, you could literally just hit up every musician you know and be like, yo, like let me send you 10 bucks and like email me that album. Yeah, and that's yeah. like it. Or mail me the vinyl. Like just hit us up directly. Like we're humans. Unless you're like at Beyonce levels, like where, <laughs> sh you know, I can't physically manage all the inbox stuff. Like I can manage it now. You're talking <laughs> to me literally. So just yeah. hit me up. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome. So Brenda, where can everybody find you online? Your socials, your website? Um, you can find me at Brenda Carsey Art on every social media platform ever, except for x or whatever the heck it's called Twi twitter oh yeah <laughs> except for that i'm not on that um but everything else is uh, at brenda carsey art brenda carsey and streaming platforms just brenda carsey well brenda thank you so much for being on the yeah. podcast thanks yeah, for having me yeah. it's so fun <laughs> <laughs>